0: Thank you for choosing the podcast of East Haven Baptist Church in Brookhaven, Mississippi. For more information on the ministries of East Haven and to access videos and sermon notes from our services, visit www.easthaven.net.
1: Suicide has escalated in our culture in the last number of years. I think, folks, part of it is because during the pandemic pandemic, because of obvious reasons there were a lot of people that were lonely and they got into a bad place a dark place they've never been so isolated perhaps from family and friends and sometimes it was hard for a number of those individuals to come out of that because once you're kind of used to being by yourself it can be difficult to to even reach out to family members or friends and so part of it is that we've just never, at least in my lifetime, and probably most people in the room or on the radio or watching Facebook Live have have been through anything like that. So that's part of the escalation of suicide. One research says that 700,000 people die of suicide every year. Now that does not include those that ponder it and think about it and consider it and for whatever reason, do not do so. Someone else has said it is the second leading cause of death. The second leading cause of death is suicide. Why do people get in such a dark place? Well, the professionals, the experts say there's a number of different reasons. One, it could be because of relationships. Sometimes relationships break down. And it could be that a married couple or a couple that's that's dated for a long time begin to take a break or they're divorced. And so, therefore, they're not used to dealing with life without this significant other and so they choose to end their life. It could be any, any type of relationship that's gone south or been very, very difficult. It'd be, it could be because of a disease or sickness, and someone gets in such a bad place, they feel like instead of having another round of chemotherapy, they just might as well end it. They may start doing, as I call it, stinking thinking and thinking, well, my family would be better off my family would be better off financially, and besides this, I just don't know if I can go through this one more time. It could be because of a disease or, or an illness. It could be because of a significant loss, the loss of a child, the loss of a parent. Loss and grief can cause people to get to a, a dark place, maybe a place they've never been before and never thought they would reach that level of discouragement or depression. It could be legal problems. It could be financial issues. You get in such a dark place financially and you feel like there's no way out, and so you end your life. It could be because of a chemical dependency, drug-related substance abuse, Or it could be because of a chemical imbalance that could be hereditary in your family and you get to a very difficult place. I worked with a pastor once when I was a youth minister and we had a teenager that was fairly involved on Sunday morning who chose to end his life. He said, you know, it's a permanent solution to a temporary problem. And so here's what I want to say before I go any further is I want to say that until you have been there or until you've been greatly discouraged or until you've experienced depression, we should be very slow to judge or to assume or to perhaps at times say anything. So we just need to know what does the Bible say about this issue. David Williams our associational strategist, he and Selena are members of our church. We're grateful. Um, we're a part of East Haven years ago. He was called to pastor, and he's just come back to be our associational minister. And He texted me this morning. He's preaching somewhere else today, but they were touched by this in recent year or so because of a 14-year-old grandson who committed suicide. And he shared with me because it's public knowledge that this young man had all kind of things going for him. And they didn't see it coming. It can happen to anybody. And I can't imagine how he did this, but he was assigned to preach his grandson's funeral. And he used Deuteronomy 29.29. Let me read the first part of that passage. The secret things. Belong to the Lord our God, but the things revealed belong to us. In other words, there's some things we don't get and we don't understand on this side of heaven, and we trust in a sovereign God because He alone is sovereign. I do believe that if we take the time to research the scriptures, there are ways to find answers to to life's problems and challenges and doctrine and theology. I also believe there's time that's like, Lord, I don't fully understand this. This is a type of mystery, but I trust you. And I believe God honors that and blesses us with that. And that's what David was saying. There's some that would say, well, I just can't believe uh, that the the, the Bible doesn't really speak to this. Well, I would say the Bible It does really speak to this. It does. And some people would say, well, God must have took him home. No, God didn't do that. Stinking thinking did that. The evil one, the enemy who throws fiery darts did that. People get in a bad place. That's not God's will. So what else does the Bible say? Well, in the Old Testament, There's five clear examples of suicide that occurred. Judges 9.54, 1 Samuel 31 verse 4, 1 Samuel 31 verse 5, 2 Samuel 17.23, and 1 Kings 16.18. And none of those say it was okay, it was wrong, it was a sin. The Bible speaks to that clearly. In the New Testament, we know of Judas who ended his life. So the sanctity of human life is is spoken of in God's Word, and the Bible speaks clearly of the sanctity of human life. All we have to do is go to the Ten Commandments. Thou shalt not murder, kill. There it is. It's wrong. Judas's example is in Matthew 27, 3 through 10 because of time. I'm not going to go read all of those scriptures, but I want you to have the references. So the question for the hot topic today is suicide, the unpardonable sin. Major point number one, it's in your outline if you're taking notes, is this. The Bible teaches the eternal security of the believer. The Bible teaches once saved, always saved. Now sure, that's a that's a tenant of the Baptist belief of Southern Baptists, but it's biblical. It's what we believe, not because it's in the Baptist Faith and Message 2000 version, but because we believe it speaks of it right here. First John. Chapter 5, verse 13 says, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you might know, conosco, that you have eternal life. In other words, you read First John, you can be sure of your salvation because it's there. The Holy Spirit works. I tell people sometimes when they're down in their salvation, go read First John for 30 days and let God tell you. These things have I written that you might think you know, know that you know that you have eternal life. It's the security of the believer. It's not based on feelings. Feelings are up and down, aren't they? Sometimes I feel good during the day. Sometimes I feel rotten. Sometimes it might be because I ate fried catfish late at night and way too much of it and just didn't sleep well. It's amazing what a good night's sleep will do. Or a tum sugar-free will help you out if you got acid. All right, good old Diet Coke or something. I probably should say that. People have things to say about Diet Coke. So just scratch that from the notes. But what I'm saying is salvation is not based on feelings. It's just not. It's based on putting our faith in Jesus alone. He has a stronghold on us. These things have i written that you might know that you have eternal life. In other words, Christians cannot commit the unpardonable sin. we will say it again. Christians, those that genuinely have a relationship with Jesus Christ, they've repented of their sin, they put their faith in Jesus, they've trusted Him as Savior and Lord, born-again believers, followers of Christ, children of God, because they've repented and put their faith in Christ, cannot commit the unpardonable sin. In 1 John, we find this, chapter 1, verse 9, it says, we confess our sins, and if we do so, he is faithful and just and will forgive us of our sins, cleanse us of all unrighteousness. Verse 10, if we claim we have not sinned, in other words, you're believing because you're a good dude, you come to church, you're baptized, something else. In other words, our works says, if If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar and his word is not in us. And then chapter 2, it says, my dear children, we have an advocate. With the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one, he is the toning sacrifice for our sins, and not only for our sins, but also for the sins of the whole world. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Boom. Eternal security of the believer. Not because of feelings, not because your good works, but because of Christ's finished work on the cross. And you've put your faith and trust in him alone. And from the moment of conversion to the time you go home with the Lord, it's the sanctification process where we're all growing and maturing in Christ's likeness hoping and praying that we will bear the fruit of the Spirit and fulfill our mission and our purpose In life, salvation is not based on good works or feelings. It's based on faith. Now, we can get out of fellowship and we can get off in a ditch at times, but the Holy Spirit doesn't leave us. He is our guarantee, our deposit. The Holy Spirit, because I put my faith and trust in Jesus Christ, is in me. If I step over here, guess what? He's still in me. He's with me. If I take off running over here in my white shoes, he's still here. You can't get rid of him. Listen, Christians, we make lousy sinners. Do we sin? Absolutely. But we've been forgiven. And God convicts us of our sin. And we can get out of fellowship with God. And that is a miserable place for a true child of God. But we do believe, once saved, always saved, and that as a true child of God, we cannot commit the unpardonable sin. I stand on that because the Bible said so. Secondly, the Bible teaches the eternal insecurity of the unbeliever. Why? Because of what we call blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. Jesus was speaking to the Pharisees, the religious leaders of the day that rejected Christ as the Messiah. They weren't followers of Christ. They were all into rules and regulations. They didn't believe he was the Messiah. And this is what Matthew says in chapter 12, verse 31. And so I tell you, Every kind of sin and slander can be forgiven. But, he said, blasphemy against the Spirit will not be forgiven. That is the unpardonable sin, period. Exclamation point. End of story. That's it right there, according to the Bible. Not suicide, not adultery, not disobeying your parents. Now, the Bible speaks of all those things. And as a child of God, we should want to do right. He builds in these boundaries and guidelines for our sake, for our protection, for our freedom to live for Him because of a love relationship with Him. But it's amazing how many False testimonies or false truths are out there about this particular subject. So we need to know, and we do today, because of what the Bible says. The Holy Spirit leads lost people to Jesus, so to refuse him is to commit the unpardonable sin. Here's what I found. Here's one quote. It says, it is unpardonable to reject the only surgery which can save your life, or the only chemotherapy which can cure your cancer, speaking of sin. Not because the doctor doesn't want to heal you, but because he cannot. You won't let him. You have rejected the only means of health and salvation. So there's no security for the one postponing salvation. The Bible says today is the day of salvation. Don't wait. Don't postpone we never know. You ever been to some of those meetings or revivals or flip channels and come across where it seems like the preacher or the one teaching that day is trying to cause people to be fearful? Come now, you might die when you leave. Sometimes I think we get so far away from that that we're not reminded that Bible says today's a day of salvation this is not something we should flirt with this is not something we should postpone this is something that we should take care of because we've been convicted and we realize our sin and we need to save and we put our faith in Jesus and we just make things right we make things right with him we make things right because it could be you need to follow through in believers baptism not as a work but because you're on God's team, you want everybody to know it. Some people get hung up on that. We talked about that a few weeks ago. That's why I was so proud of several that said, I'm tired of messing with this. I'm going to make it right and be baptized so we can move on in our faith. We're here to fulfill a mission as a Christ follower. And all of us are different because we have a different uh, fingerprint. And so we need to get on with it. So, is suicide the unpardonable sin? No. No. Is blasphemy of the Holy Spirit the unpardonable sin? Yes. So here's our invitation. And I want to ask you to go ahead and stand. Go ahead and stand, please. Our musicians are coming. And I want to explain to you the invitation this morning. This is what it is. It's a two-part invitation, especially Now, if you want to come and talk about what it means to be a part of joining the church, you certainly can do that. If you want to come because God is calling you to vocational service and you can't wait to make that public, you need to come. But let me give you some specifics about the invitation. The staff's going to be here. I'll be here. It's a two-part, primarily. One is, today is the day of salvation. If you have never put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, come and talk to somebody. They'll not embarrass you. They'll not ask you to to, uh, recite the Ten Commandments. They'll not ask you to talk about the doctrine of sanctification. They're just going to talk to you about your life and the fact that God has spoken to you about your sin. And you want to make sure before you leave that you have a relationship with Jesus Christ. They're not going to embarrass you. They want to help you. So that's one of the reasons we're having the invitation. We start singing. We'll pray. Some may come to the altar and pray. Whatever God leads them to do, they may be praying right there. They may be praying for you. Don't delay salvation. Now, here's the second part of this. It has to do with being in a dark place. It has to do with the fact that you may have had a family member that's committed suicide. And you just need to worship the Lord in song. You need to come and pray for other family members. You need to come talk to Jesus on your knees or here at the front, whatever God's leading you to do. Or it may be you're here, and for whatever reason, may have been a death, may have been the loss of a job, may have been one of those things I listed or I didn't list, you have found that you are in a dark place. I hear you. Many of us have been in dark places before, and you never thought it happened to you. But it did. And here's what I would tell you during the invitation. You need to take the first step, whatever that means for you, to get help. What does that mean? Talk to a Christian counselor. Talk to a minister. Come up to somebody during the service. Talk to one of our counselors in one of the rooms. Call us during the week. But don't keep going down that path. Get help. You are not the only one that's been greatly discouraged or experienced whatever type of depression that you might be experiencing because it might be you're just in a dark place and you just are and somebody may know it, but it may be nobody knows it. I would encourage you to do some type of step publicly or privately during this invitation to work through that. Some people get in such a dark place, they feel like there's no hope. The Bible says, Christ in you, the hope of glory. So don't do stinking thinking. Don't let the enemy put a fiery dart in your in your mind. Trust him. It may be you're waking up in the mornings and immediately all kind of crazy thoughts come in your mind, discouraging things, things that get you off track and get you off focus of the Lord. You need to pay attention to that because the, the enemy wants to destroy your life in those types of things, but God wants to rescue you. And it may be you came here to see somebody baptized. It might be you came here for the family meeting, the business meeting as we call it. But it may be that God has you here to get some things right in your life and for you to trust him with your life. So we're going to sing and we're going to have this brief invitation. So I would encourage you to respond if the Holy Spirit is leading you to do something. Staff, if you'll come join me and we'll sing.
2: Amen.
0: Father God, you have moved so greatly in this service and in our lives this morning. We feel your touch, we feel your presence, we feel the love and encouragement that only you can bring. And this morning, God, right now, we pray for those who are dealing with difficult situations. And God, I pray that you would move in each heart and in each life as we've already been encouraged today, God, that they would reach out to you for guidance, for comfort, for love, and for hope. God, that you would touch each life. God, we praise you and we thank you for how you have moved today. And we lift up your holy name. God, we love you. And it's in your name we pray.